The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Denver CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. Bet River Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting, and it has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same-game parlays and pro football matchups. They're bringing back their Reduce the Juice promotion on game days, too. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million Beat the Spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is just more rewarding on Bet Rivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to bet. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. It is Holden with Veasan. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Got some good stuff to go through here. The Broncos, Bengals lines. We're going to run that down. We're going to talk about the Broncos' playoff scenarios and their playoff chances. Uh, Also, I've got a Nuggets bet. I'm feeling pretty good about this one tonight. And Nate Kreckman from Altitude 92.5 joins me to talk Broncos and Nuggets. Ian St. Clair, same thing. Ian with Play Colorado. But let's just get into this thing here. Broncos and Bengals. And like I think I told you on Monday, I was a little bit surprised that the Bengals are dogs on the road in this game. But I think the reason for that is because when you are just talking about one specific team, it's it's very easy to find the faults of your team and not look at the faults of the other team. This is crazy. Ten minutes ago, I was looking at Bet Rivers. This spread was one and a half. Okay, I've seen it at one, one and a half, two, and now two and a half. So as I sit here late Wednesday morning taping this thing, 
It's the Bengals plus 120 on the money line, Broncos minus 136. Now the Bengals plus two and a half, Broncos minus two and a half, minus 110 on both sides. So you're getting two and a half points with the Bengals. Fascinating because I wasn't so sure this thing's going to get up to three and it might actually get up to three. Wow. So that means basically a two and a half points on a neutral field. The odds makers think that the Bengals would be, would win this game by half a point or basically a push. Two very similar teams, two teams with the same records, two teams with issues with their head coaches. And the total now is sitting at 44 and a half on Bet Rivers minus 110. You want to take that hook? It's minus 120 to the under. That's interesting. And then you get into the game props, right? Real quick on that total there, we're still 10 and 3 to the under on the Broncos. So don't be shy to go to the under on this one. Uh, it's something I'm, I'm continuing to dig into uh, as we speak. So that is a pick that I'll definitely have by Friday. Total points for each team, 22 and a half for the Broncos. I don't like that. And it's set perfectly because I would bet the over at 20 and a half. Uh, it, it's not high enough to bet the under at this point. So I'm going to stay away from that. Points by the Bengals, 20 and a half. That'll be interesting too, because I kind of have them set up somewhere between 20 and 23. So that one is sitting in the exact right spot. Tough numbers this week, tough numbers, but that's okay. We're here to sift through the tough numbers. Coming off uh, that 0-1 week last week, we'll try and get back on track this week. So a couple things I need you to do if you're going to bet this, this game, keep an eye on the Bengals injury report. They've got some injuries, especially on the defensive side of the football. Uh, some other things about the Bengals. Two straight weeks that Joe Mixon's production has gone right down the tube. Uh, didn't score last week. He's not getting the chunk plays. He was a little bit banged up. And yeah, he did score a couple of weeks ago, but this is not the same guy that was racking up triple digits with one or two touchdowns a game. We'll see if he gets back to that this week. But while the Denver rush defense has not been good, and I think that's being overlooked. You had no-name dudes, practice squad dudes in the backfield for the Lions, and they ran up some pretty big numbers. It's the bend don't break here. And you can go from the one to the Broncos 20. You get in that red zone, you might have a lot of trouble scoring. So that's the one thing to look at. Um, to me, the most important thing in this game is going to be the defense pressuring Burrow. A lot of the pass protection, you know, has been questionable for that offensive line there in, in Cincy. And they don't block for Burrow on big plays too. And I saw that a couple of times on Sunday where he was just getting beaten up. Uh, I think that for the first time, I mean, maybe the first time, maybe there were some pushes in there. Maybe it's the second straight week where the Broncos actually have the, the, the advantage in the head coaching department because Zach Taylor's struggling. And I said this when they hired him, I really didn't like the hire uh, inexperienced guy. Fine. That, that doesn't even bother me. It just doesn't seem like this team is it, he's getting the most out of his team, even on a semi-consistent basis. Like this is a seven and six team, much like the Broncos. They lost games. They should have won. They won games. They won a couple of games. They should have lost. Um, just confusing with the play calling against the 49ers. I mean, that, that San Francisco, they played the, the Niners. Their whole secondary was decimated and 
what happens? They go out and they run the football. Like Cincinnati tried to run the football. They're down by two scores coming out of halftime. And they ran the football three straight times. Like, how do you do that? Bad coaching. Bad coaching. And, and it's happened with Vic Fangio. Remember that Eagles game? They could have exploited the run. They could have done it with the run. They could have done anything they wanted to do, and they didn't. And it's because of a, game, a bad game plan. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. And the one guy I need you to watch out for when you're watching this game, man, T. Higgins. So Jamar Chase is going to get all the love. Jamar Chase is the flashy rookie, went to LSU with Burrow, you know, big play guy. T. Higgins, three straight 100-yard games. So they have, they've got a trio of wide receivers where I always say this. Here, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, if they actually had a quarterback, we'd have three superstars here at wide receiver. I actually think the receiving core, just the wide receivers, a little bit more talented on the Bengals side. So that's how good they are. Jamar Chase, A-plus talent, does have drop issues. He's a rookie. Remember Jerry Judy had that last year? T. Higgins, one of the more underrated players in this game. Uh, great hands, nice in the red zone. He just gets open, runs wonderful routes. And then there's Tyler Boyd, the possession guy. He's spectacular too. So again, the lines here keep moving a little bit. Keep an eye on it. I'm not ready to place a bet yet, but it's now up to two and a half. Broncos minus two and a half, minus 110, minus 110. Okay, playoff scenarios. Touched on this on Monday, but I think it's very important to go back into this so you guys and ladies know exactly what is coming. Broncos playoff scenarios. With a win, their chances, and this is from 538, their chances go from 23% to 28%. Some of you say, who cares about percent? Well, I mean, that's big. They're going to go 15% better chance of making the playoffs with a win this week. We know it's important, but I mean, it's really, really, really important. Okay? Now, the teams that are ahead of them, and they currently sit 10th in the playoff standings. The teams ahead of them, there are some teams with tough matchups. The Colts are ahead of them. They've got New England this week. Not easy. The Chargers are ahead of them. They're going to have to beat the Chargers head-to-head, -head, but the Chargers have the Chiefs. And believe it or not, you're actually rooting for the Chiefs this week because we need the Chargers to lose. They're a game ahead of the Broncos. The Broncos do have that one nothing lead over the Chargers. And by God, if they can actually beat the Chargers for a second time, are you kidding me? Wow, that would be amazing. So then we have the Browns battling COVID, and they are ahead of the Broncos at 7-6 and six because of that damaging loss. I mean, that was just an awful, awful loss. We can get into that in a second, too. But the Browns are battling COVID. The Colts could lose to the Patriots. The Chiefs could take out the Chargers. With a win over Cincinnati, they leapfrog all of those teams into a top-seven spot. So, yes, I'm asking for a lot. I'm asking for a Colts loss, a Chargers loss, and a Browns loss, plus a Broncos win over the Bengals. But I think that's, if it's not the likeliest scenario, it's a scenario that is definitely in play. Now, we go back to those damaging losses, and I, I think I have to, because the four losses that I'm going to discuss, just crippling, absolutely crippling. And yes, we could say the best wins this year. Obviously, the Cowboys game was a huge win. The Chargers win was a huge win. Emotionally, the Lions win, a must win, a win. But the most damaging losses, I'll still say this. I think Cleveland. I think Cleveland is still the most uh, just 
damaging loss. They're playing without their starting quarterback. Our old buddy Case Keenum is there. They're playing without their top two running backs. The Ernest Johnson runs all over them. I think that was one of my prop bets that I actually won that week because he was just set up to eat the Broncos alive who were struggling with the run game at the time. So why is that Cleveland loss so big? If the Ravens win the division, the Broncos are going to have to finish a full game ahead of Cleveland now. Okay? Because Cleveland has the head-to-head. So it, it all. let's just say the Broncos end up 9. I'll just go 9-8. and eight. Well, that means that the Browns are going to be able to go, uh, what? They're going to have to go 1-3 and three in order for the Broncos to leapfrog them. That was a bad, bad loss. Probably the most damaging. I think the Baltimore loss is a big one. Conference loss to a team they might ultimately catch because Lamar Jackson is banged up. And who knows if he misses a game or if he's going to miss multiple games, which is entirely a possibility. But the Broncos are 3-5 and five in the conference, and that's just a killer. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. It is an absolute killer. Like the Colts. The Colts are... Six and three in the conference. A loss here, they'll still be six and four. Uh, the Chargers, who at least the Broncos have the head-to-head matchup with this. You know, if it ever came down to a third tiebreaker, uh, at least for them, they're five and three in the conference. Trying to track down um, any other teams, most of them have better records in the conference than the Broncos. So that was a devastating loss. Raiders loss. Oh. That was another killer. Because the Broncos are better than the Raiders. Better than the Raiders. The, the, the absolute dysfunction going on there with the Gruden emails and then the awful rug story. And the fact that they end up losing to the Raiders. I mean, that's just a huge loss in the division. And probably more importantly in the conference. Because instead of being 4-4, four and four, you're 3-5. and five. And then the last one would be Philly. That's just a bad team. And the Broncos were absolutely outcoached in that one. That was very, very frustrating. Very frustrating. So that's the playoff scenarios right now. Probably win three of four. I think the Broncos have a, a very good shot of getting in there. Because it goes three, nine, and four teams. Patriots, Titans, Chiefs. And then whoever wins the AFC North. Whether that be the Ravens or the Browns or the Bengals. Or even the Steelers. Because all four teams are in the mix there. So that's four teams... So you got three spots. You will have three spots with two teams, eight and five, the Ravens and the Chargers, who again, they can take out the Chargers. They beat the Chargers head-to-head again this season, and they have the same record. Forget about it. You're the number two team in the division. The Colts, I think Colts are a really good football team. They got a couple toughies. They've got the Patriots, and they got the Cardinals. The Bills... Kind of in a free fall. I expect the Bills to get back to doing what they do, though. They look good late in that last game where they lost. So I think, to me, the Bills will be the number five team. And that leaves you two spots. Uh, For the Chargers, the, the Colts, the Browns, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Steelers, even the Raiders, and even the Dolphins. Not going to be easy, but definitely 100% possible that they end up getting to the playoffs. The Broncos in the playoffs, believe it or not. Yes. Nate Kretman, Altitude 92.5, is going to join me here in just a moment. We'll talk more Broncos. We will talk more Nuggets. And who knows what else is going to come out of Nate's mouth. Ian St. Clair, play Colorado before it's all over, and I'll wrap the show up with a couple more Nuggets thoughts and a bet tonight. 
I'm Holden. This is the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. The VEASAN Midseason Football Special is here. Put the VEASAN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on VEASAN.com. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. It is that time. Nate Kreckman joining me here on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Nate, of course, with Altitude 92.5. Wonderful to see your smiling face. If you're listening on a podcast, listen to his smiling face. And then the thing he talks to me about just before I hit the record button is Kevin James playing Sean Payton. We have so many important things to get into today. But this is obviously number one, Kevin James as Sean Payton after uh, whatever it was. What, was. what was the impetus for him having to go and coach his kids' team as the offensive coordinator? What did he get in trouble for? Cheating? Something? Bounty gate. He oh, was yes. suspended from the NFL for an entire season because of bounty gate and so um then according to the trailer he went to start being an assistant coach i believe for his uh son there's some distance between sean payton and his son apparently and they 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 were able to strengthen their familial bond through youth football according to the trailer this is what i've learned so far i know nothing about Sean Payton's NFL sabbatical, but I'm learning a lot of it from a two-minute clip with Kevin James playing the part of Sean Payton. Just wonderful, wonderful to hear that. I can't imagine anybody uh, that looks less like Sean Payton to play Sean Payton than Kevin James. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more that don't look like him, but (laughs) this feels like it's just Kevin James came up with this and he decided to play the part because he looks nothing like Sean Payton. Not even close. I, You know, he's... He's a white guy. It's close enough, right? And Kevin James is a beloved American actor. Who, who doesn't not hate Kevin James? I don't know if anybody loves Kevin James, but I don't think anybody hates Kevin James. Kevin James is, is fine. He's amusing. I If I'm Sean Payton, I'm probably, you know, mildly uh, tickled that, I, that I've got Kevin James playing the part of me. I know everyone's worried about, like, God, oh, Kevin James is fat. You wouldn't want to look like Kevin James. I don't know. Kevin James is fine. People are people like Kevin James. I'm I'm all for this. I'm looking forward to this movie. Um, it's uh, it's got a projectile vomiting scene. I'm excited about that. It's got the fat kid from Mighty Ducks Game Changers is ordering a pizza while he's on the football field. I think that that's oh, hilarious. Yeah? Um, Adam Sandler's wife is playing the part of Sean Payton's wife in really? this movie, so I think that that's nice as well. Uh, all in all, home team Netflix production, which I believe is due out in January or February. Um, 
count me amongst the excited to watch. Okay, that is wonderful to hear. I'm glad you're excited to watch. And we started off on a nice, lighthearted subject. Let's get into the Broncos because as much as nobody wants to believe in them, they're right in the mix, my friend. I mean, they're 10th in the playoff race. Colts have a tough game this week. Few teams have a tough game this week. They can beat the Bengals and automatically move up to ninth. Come on. Do you at least want to give a glimmer of hope that the Broncos could be playing important games in the playoffs, or at least one? There's, there, there is a glimmer of hope there, absolutely. Now, you know, there, I think there's two conversations to be had there, Holden. Is, is a, yes, they're 7-6. and six. They're technically the, the lowest seeded amongst the 7-6 and six teams right now because they have a terrible record against the AFC and the conference record and some of the head-to-head losses. Um, have knocked them down that list a little bit. This is a Broncos team that we knew coming into the season, playing a last-place schedule, had a lot of soft opponents coming up here. That included Jacksonville and the Jets. Um, They got to play the NFC East, which was very weak this past year and continues to be weak, so they've gotten a little bit fat with wins on the Giants and football team. Um, And they just got to beat the Lions, who was their NFC opponent for the 17th game, and they managed to catch them at home because the AFC teams get nine home games this year. So we're talking about a Broncos team that has four wins this year over teams that are currently in the top six of the 2022 NFL draft order. They've gotten fat by beating bad teams. There's nothing wrong with that. You're supposed to win the games uh, directly in front of you right now, but generally this year, when the Broncos have played a quality opponent, pretty much outside of the Dallas game, um, and, and Dallas was, you know, their defense wasn't doing what it's doing right now, they, they lose to good teams and they beat the bad teams. So, um, but hey, they got to seven and six and they've got the opportunity staring directly in front of them right now. Um, they have a shot at the postseason. I would call it a long shot right now. I mean, it must be really nice, though, because at least, Nate Kreckman, at least um, you can look at this and say, hmm, I can talk about the Broncos being relevant in yep. December for the first time in five years, right? Uh, I think, so 2018, that was the year they had a three-game win streak. They got to 6-6, six and six, and then they lost at home to Cleveland on a Saturday night. Vance Joseph, one of the all-time worst coaching decisions I have ever seen. Uh, kicked a field goal on a fourth and one uh, down four points. And then the Broncos, I don't think, ever saw the ball again in that game. You're not supposed to do that kind of crap. Um, although I'm sure Phil Sims and the gang on CBS would have defended it. Um, Jesus. But yeah, uh, that, that was the closest they have been right now at seven and six. And again, with a game against Cincinnati, um, and then they'll play the Raiders and the Chargers and uh, and the Chiefs. They got four good quarterbacks remaining on the schedule. And generally, the Broncos have not done that well when they played really good quarterbacks. The soft schedule has kept them alive. I'm not saying that as a backhanded compliment. This is the reality of the 10 lowest scoring teams in football this year. The Broncos have played and beaten five of them in Jacksonville and Detroit and the Jets and the Giants and football teams. So, um, but hey. It's now they can show that they are everybody's favorite term at this time of year for real. I don't think they are, but they can show us that they are and they can prove jerks like me wrong. No. And again, I think we're seeing a team this week in Cincinnati that's very similar. 
poorly coached. And I would say Vic Fangio actually has an advantage from coaching this week. Believe it or not, I do. Uh, they've got a young quarterback, though, with some really, really good weapons oh, at wide good. receiver. And I'd, yeah. and I'd actually give the advantage to uh, the Bengals at the wide receiver position. You can't say that very often. But here's the issue with them. Um, they just let Burrow get hammered, just crushed on key plays, and it's been happening over and over and over again. Okay, and, and they struggle offensively except for the fourth quarter this last week. And that means the Broncos could have some good field position. The special teams for the Bengals is every Disaster. bit as bad. Disaster, yeah. Every Disaster. bit as bad as what we have here. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some similarities between these two teams. The reason why the Broncos are favored is because they're at home. It's the only reason why, to me, this is this is a two teams that are just completely even. I actually thought it would be a pick when it dropped. It was Broncos minus two. So some thoughts on this one because it's not like the Bengals are really that good a football team. They're another one of these mediocre teams, just like the Broncos. They very much so. That's a that's a seven and six team right now in Cincinnati. Um, but they're five and three against the AFC. They've beaten some good teams within their own division in the AFC North. They're going up against the Broncos team that is 0-3 so far this season against the AFC North. Now, Joe Burrow, the hand seems fine. That fourth-quarter touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, that was a, a thing of beauty. So um, he pretty much threw Cincinnati back into that game last week. And, and like you talked about, they killed themselves uh, with their atrocious special teams. I think two muffed punts and a kickoff in the first half, and the Niners turned that into 10 points, and they had a 17-6 to halftime lead. So – um, if, if Cincinnati can merely cut down on some of those mistakes and, you know, catch the ball on special teams, offensively, we know that they are going to get loose and put points on the board. Um, this is a Broncos team that still does not score a lot of points consistently. In fact, um, in their seven wins this year, the Broncos have allowed fewer than 17 points. So that's your line of demarcation because offensively, they just can't score enough. They're averaging 21 points a game on the year. If the Broncos give up more than 17, more than likely they are going to lose. And I think the Bengals are very capable of scoring 17 when they come into Denver this week. And, and everything that we say is with the caveat of, you know, this is all based on either of these teams not having like 25 fresh COVID cases by the time we get to Sunday. Yeah, the, the whole NFL is just under this this COVID cloud now. Yeah. It's back. Yeah. It's back. I mean, there's 17 guys in Washington, I believe. You've got the Browns who are without. They'll probably end up having at least 10, including their head coach and starting quarterback out of that game. It's rearing its ugly head, but there's nothing we could do to control that right now. Yeah. So yeah. we just have to deal with it. And it actually might work into the Broncos' favor this week if the Browns end up losing this football game. So um, on the other Broncos note here, uh, what was it like being on the air here in Denver after getting the news of Demarius Thomas? Because honestly, I, I, I would just go out of the house. You could tell there was something different in the air here after it passed. You, you just feel it after the news came out about Demarius's passing. It, it was crushing. It, it was really sad news to get. And, uh, you know, speaking from my experience, my dealings with Demarius uh, in Denver here, Holden, I, uh, I hosted a show with Demarius Thomas um, on a previous station that I worked for, you know, the Demarius Thomas show. Um, and we would do 30 minutes every single week. And, you know, that was a mixture of doing phone interviews and, 
uh, live remotes. And Demarius would come out, and he'd take pictures, and he'd sign autographs, and uh, he was just as nice as he could possibly be to the fans. He was a great guy to deal with. He never had to deal with any ego or anything like that. He was a great player, and, and really, sadly, I think he was an underrated player in his time here in Denver. Um, he dropped some passes. I'm not going to pretend as though that that wasn't a, a flaw in his game, and you know, the fan base regularly reminded him of that. He was booed at home a couple of times uh, his last few years here in Denver. Um, sadly, I, I think he was underrated as a player, basically for the entirety of his prime of, you know, 2011 to 2017. You know, it's it's Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, and then it's Demarius Thomas of the, the best, most productive wide receivers in the NFL. He was a phenomenal talent out on the field, um, an all-time great Bronco, an all-time great player. But what I remember more than anything else about Demarius Thomas, and again, I, you know, I, I spent some time with him and had a number of conversations with him over the years. Just a very nice person. Um, and, you know, when somebody passes, you, you say nice things about him. There's a lot of tributes and everything like that with Demarius. It, it, was, it was all as authentic as could be. We took a call on the show on Friday, uh, from one of our listeners, uh, Navy Bet Mike, and he told a, a story of being in line at, uh, at the grocery store, King Supers, um, a number of years ago. And, you know, Mike was down on his luck, and Demarius Thomas was behind him in line, according to the story. And he, uh, Mike didn't have enough to pay for his entire grocery order. And Demarius Thomas said, I got you, brother. And, um, you know, and, and paid for the whole thing and, and gave him some extra money. and uh, that, you know, that's one of those, you know, NFL teams are very good at making sure that guys get credit in the community and the cameras are there and showing guys working with kids and, 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 you know, and, and helping out and being philanthropic in the community. Demarius Thomas was the kind of guy that did that stuff when nobody was looking. And that's the, to me, the true test of character. That's the guy that he was. So just a, just a sad, sad, uh, thing to lose to Marius Thomas at the age of 33. I think he had a lot of good still to do in his life without football. He, he had just done so much. He had overcome so much in his life. His story is incredible. Anyone that's listened to this, you know, if you're not familiar with it, go back. ESPN.com has uh, documented it over the years. What he what he overcame um, to go on and not just be a great football player, but to be a really great person, uh, unbelievable. His story is one, you know, and I said this on the air on Friday, 99% of us would have ended up dead or in jail if we, if we grew up in, in Demarius Thomas's uh, situation in his life, and um, he he really succeeded, he really overcame. Just an, a, a really fantastic person, and a very very sad thing that he's no longer with us. Yep, no doubt about it. Nate Kreckman, altitude ninety two five. Uh, let, let's move on to the Nuggets. Then there's really no way of of having a good segue from that. No. So I'll just I'll let you in on another uh, Nuggets bet of mine. We'll see if we can get on the board here. <laughs> tonight we got Jokic going up against Minnesota ah excuse me the Nuggets going up against Minnesota as you know they've won a dozen in a row here against this team uh 47 and a half points rebounds and assists is normally just an, an outrageous number and I wouldn't consider betting it it's by far and away the highest PRA tonight but he's averaged over 30 points 16 rebounds five and a half assists in these last three games against them he beat the hell out of him back in October I love how he's set up tonight, even with Carl Anthony Towns in there. Um, so that's the first thing, Jokic. We always talk about Jokic. And the second thing is, what's going on here? Like, 
they went four and three on this seven game roadie. They looked like they were going to be a team that wasn't going to compete for a playoff spot. Now they're back. So I wonder if we're going to be on a roller coaster here. Yeah. I mean, really, when you look at everything they dealt with on that seven game road trip and that thing took forever and they had injury issues and COVID issues and everything else to go four and three is pretty good. Obviously, you know, a loss at Orlando sticks out like a sore thumb. That's a bad loss uh, for them. I mean, they were up 16 points at the half. Really, they should have gone five and two. But still, four and three on a seven-game road trip in the NBA uh, in December, you're going to take that pretty much every single time. Um, they looked good the other night against Washington. Wow, you want to talk about a bad beat. If you had a triple-double on Jokic the other night, him getting ejected uh, with 28-19 and nine assists with six minutes left in that game. That's some classic Tony Brothers BS right there. Uh, but he tends to get up against Carl Anthony Towns. Um, this is a big game for the Nuggets. They've won two in a row. Um, they can really start to string together some success. They got a tough road trip coming up here. They're going to have to go to Atlanta and Brooklyn. Uh, although, God, the Nets are having all kinds of problems right now. Um, and then OKC here. So this is a big one tonight before they go out on the road. I really like Denver to take care of business. Um, I like them in the four and a half. And, uh, yeah, Jokic, I've been betting a lot of those points, rebounds, assists, props of late. and They've generally been pretty good to me. Yeah, the triple-double was great, too. Uh, I actually didn't end up – I got lucky. I didn't get that bet in because I had something going on, and it completely just went out of my mind. But there was a five-game stretch. I think I got three out of the five. And really, when you're betting at that number, usually around 500, 550, you're going to be profitable if you hit one out of every five. The problem is now that everybody's betting is triple-double, Nate. Yeah. And this is just – its if we're getting two-to-one, it's not worth it anymore. Yeah, no, That's he's, he's he's getting back to a place where he's damn near averaging a triple-double. So, uh, yeah, it's still a fun prop to bet. But, yes, like you talked about, not as profitable right now. What do you make of these other guys? Morris kind of surging. Barton surging. Uh, Bones Highland back. What do you make of the ancillary players now? Aaron Gordon, I think, really is Aaron the Gordon. next most important player on this team. That's the guy that jumps off the page to me. Um, you know, the bench is still very suspect. It's huge that they have Bones Highland back. They need his production so badly. Um, you know, too many Faku Composo minutes are never a positive. Um, and, and yet, uh, you know, he, he's in the very least, can't shoot or score to save his life, but he can dish the rock a little bit. He had five assists the other night. Um, but they're just, you know, they're so limited. They're so thin. The, the depth of this team has just been crushed for the most part this season. So, you know, the supporting cast is a little bit hit or miss. It's just, you know, if Jokic is great, they can win. If Jokic is not great or out or getting ejected or anything like that, it gets tight, man. I mean, they were they were up 17 when he was ejected, or I think 17 or 18 the other night when he got ejected. They were on score 22 to 10 the rest of the way. I mean, the moment he leaves the floor, it is just, they, they get lost. So... Um, and it's the same with when the bench unit comes in. Um, it's all hit or miss. It's on, you know, arguably the best player today in the NBA to carry this team. And it's, you know, not the worst situation to be in. Nope, not whatsoever. So I'm going to circle back to one more thing. I forgot to bring this up with the with the Broncos. And then we'll let you get out of here and enjoy the 900-mile-an-hour winds here in Denver. Yeah, I'm watching a fence right outside my window hanging on by a thread. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah. yeah, I had to stop the broadcast earlier because i have a hammock outside and it just got blown into the door not the hammock not the hammock no it's a cheap hammock um melvin gordon you said something 
last time we talked last week, and it really just it stuck with me, to be honest with you. Melvin Gordon. Now I've I've been saying this with you. He's good. He's had a very good season, but he was pissed off. He felt that the fan base didn't want him around anymore. I think the coaching staff knew that too, and they ran him out there. And I'll tell you, I don't know if I've seen Melvin Gordon look better <laughs> in a Broncos uniform than we did this past game. Yeah, came back from the injury, got himself 24 carries as a team. They had 39. Javante had 15 as well. You know, ran for a buck 11. Melvin Gordon played really, really well. It's, again, like, I, I get the Javante Williams hype, and I like him just as much as anybody else. But, you know, it's when you get into a situation like this, it's, you know, it becomes a binary, and it's got to be, well, I like one back at the expense of how I feel about the other back. I choose not to look at it that way. I can love Javante Williams and also say Melvin Gordon is having a good season. And this is something the Broncos, you know, they – They're going to have to consider, like, are we going to bring Melvin Gordon back next year? If the contract is at the right number, he's been a productive, good player for this team, you know, that especially this season and maybe some maturity has has helped him a little bit. So, yeah, I'm I'm not down on Melvin Gordon in the least. I was happy to see him get those 24 carries. Um, He's a good player having a good year. He is. And like I've said, I think he's a very good running back. Javante is just a transcendent talent. Yep. And that's how I kind of look at that right now. And I think Javante, especially in this offense, Nate, he's going to probably flirt with 300 touches this year. Yep. Right? So what has he got? He's got 34 receptions, 155 carries. We're sitting here at about 190 touches with four games to go. If he touches the ball, 18, I mean, he's going to be close, probably around 275. And that's a heavy workload for a rookie running back, Nate. Tough part is, especially these next four games, you got Burrow, Carr, Herbert, and Mahomes. I mean, there's four very good quarterbacks that are coming up here on the schedule. And this is a Denver team that does not do well playing from behind. One in 22 under Big Fangio when trailing at halftime, which is just an unbelievable number. And if they find themselves down 10, down 14, um, Pat Shermer has generally shown his, his pattern is to abandon the run. And so, you know, it's, it's relying on those touches week to week is tough. And especially against some better opponents that can put some points on the board coming up right here. So that, that's, that's the one kind of area of hesitation that I have of thinking that maybe these guys are going to get to that point because I, I said this on the radio yesterday, and maybe it's a slight exaggeration, but the Broncos are kind of like a they're like a service academy team. Um, if if they're you know even or up, they can do what they do, and they're in great shape. But if they get down a couple of scores, and you're relying on Teddy Bridgewater to throw them back into the game, they're in trouble. And and that's going to be the whole key is can they keep these very good quarterbacks? coming up here on the schedule off the board early. Uh, why don't you plug your stuff here, Nathaniel Kreckman? Twitter, the show, and then get out of here. I am on Twitter at Nate Kreckman, my radio show, Kreckman and Lindahl with Amy Lindahl, Altitude Sports Radio 92.5, 2 to 6 p.m. Uh, we're on Twitch and streaming on the app and all that good stuff, so you can find us in those ways, or you can always flip on your radio, terrestrial radio style. Uh, and tune your dial to 92.5 FM. Um, and you can also find me in my backyard trying to save various tree branches and fence sections today. 
Good luck with that. Thank I didn't you. know you were on Twitch, so that's good to know. And pretty soon there's going to be posted on YouTube so they can see your smiling face with hoodies and uh, wonderful hair. So yeah, you might I've, actually, uh, I've not you don't care. Yeah, you don't care. Yeah. Ian St. Clair, play Colorado. Let's run down these Broncos odds, these Nuggets odds. We will do that next on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Holdo and Beeson, Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Time now for our weekly Wednesday guest. That is Ian Sinclair from PlayColorado.com. Uh, all the betting news in the state of Colorado, plus you get like Nuggets previews and some Broncos previews and some other things too. There is no Pookie t-shirt this week. It looks as though a gorgeous hoodie with a uh, new school Broncos logo, uh, some white uh, stuff on the, on the shoulders, which looks gorgeous. I must say, a hoodie, it looks thick. I kind of want one of those. It, it's very comfortable. It's warm. Mm -hmm. It does what a hoodie should do in the winter in Colorado. So maybe we're finally going to get winter in Colorado instead of like Las Vegas or Arizona weather. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I, I will say this. I woke up this morning and I went outside and it was snowing. We had a wintry mix. Are you excited about that? A little wintry mix? Yes. I, I, I'd like it to feel like Christmas since mm -hmm. I'm not accustomed to, to being in a desert this time of year. <laughs> We've got... Uh... A Broncos game coming up, which is the most every week is the most important game in however long. Right. And I think you brought it up. The Titans in 2016, I think you said, right? Yep. Early December. They went into that game eight and four in Nashville. All right. So we're working on five plus years now of most important games. I know that most of you don't believe in the Broncos, but guess what? The games actually mean something. And I'm buying in because I want to. I want to have the hope. I want to have the hopes and dreams. And Ian, the Broncos are a 23% chance to make the playoffs. They win this week against the Bengals. They go up to 38%. There's so many different things to get to. I, I talked about the playoff scenarios, the playoff chances uh, on both Monday and today's show. But let's get into this here. Every week I ask you, what, how are you feeling about this team? How about the playoffs? Are you buying in yet? Cautiously optimistic or are they still going to let us down? I'm cautiously optimistic. I think one Ooh. thing that we have, one thing we have to do is, is taper our expectations because it, I, I feel like the cautious comes from the fact that they've done this before where they have completely flogged a lesser opponent. And uh -huh. my podcast co-host on our show today actually called the Lions the JV version of the Lions, which must make them like worse than Alabama. But good. I, I will, but the optimism comes from the fact that I think that they're going to take the inspiration, the motivation, the emotion of the passing of Demarius Thomas and spur that into a run. I, I think that's going to be what codifies this team. I think 
in a situation like that or like this, teams look for anything that can bring them together to give them that little added incentive. And I think Demarius Thomas is going to do that for this team. And you mentioned the biggest game in over five years. This is the biggest game in Denver since the AFC Championship game against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, which was Peyton Manning's last game in Denver. This is the biggest game in Denver since then because this is a playoff game. If the Broncos win this, they keep their hopes alive, going to Los Angeles, going to Las Vegas, and then who knows what happens with the Chiefs in, in Week 18. But this, this game in particular, I, I have cautious optimism. They know what they need to do to have success. I think the coaches finally know what they need to do to have success. And despite the bullheadedness of Pat Shermer, I think he knows it too. So they're, it's there. It's in front of them. Are they going to take it? Wow, look at that. I don't know if I had a chance to talk to you about Demarius, did I, last week? We didn't. Um, we didn't talk about it. So let's get into this again because it's it still stings with a lot of people here in town uh, and out of town, too, really all over the National Football League. So before we get into the whole Broncos-Bengals game, which is going to be huge, uh, talk to me about what Demarius meant to you as a Broncos fan. Talk to me about getting the news that he had passed away. Give me all that because I know that you were trying to have a good time. You were on vacation, but that's just news that was absolutely crippling. And you felt it even going outside, like going outside and going to the grocery store. There was a different feel. That's, that's how much it impacted things here in Denver. I think the best comparison that I have for it is when we all woke up on, on New Year's Day with the news of Darren Williams. And it, it's very, I know the circumstances behind their passings are different, but both of them, and I had the privilege of covering both of them. I, I had a great relationship with Darren Williams. He would always rib me. It was early in my career and I was going for my Jake Plummer look. So he would constantly say, why are you going for that look? Why do you want to be Jake Plummer? So having that experience and then having the opportunity to be around Demarius Thomas at training camp for a few seasons. The thing that always sticks out to me about both of them. And, and I think a lot of people is the infectious smile because it, it showed you the genuine soul that both of them had and how much they loved life, how much they loved people, how much they, they just, how grateful they were for the opportunity. And I, I think that's what makes it such a gut punch is Demarius Thomas was 100% authentic. That smile really was a reflection of the soul that it represented and how much he did, not just on the field. As I tweeted out, we're, we're always going to remember the plays, the moments, the touchdowns, the way he played in Super Bowl 48, the overtime catch to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs, to catch the first touchdown of Peyton Manning in a Broncos uniform. But it's also the fact that he is a true Pat Bowen Bronco, where it wasn't just about on the field, it was off. And what he did to ensure that kids didn't have the same upbringing as he did is I think what made it such a gut punch is that he really did love life. And I think that's what's going to resonate with people for however long he's remembered. I think he will be remembered forever as one of the greatest Broncos in history. Without doubt, 
the two best receivers in Broncos history are Rod Smith and Demarius Thomas. Yeah, and that's saying a lot and so many emotions that were going on there. We are going to move on to this week, though. And again, uh, you feel like this will be a catapult for them. They will use this. They will use this emotion. And I hope you're right. Uh, let's get into this game against the Bengals. The Bengals, you know, they have their own issues, okay? They struggle offensively. They struggle with bad coaching. There was a time last week, and I don't know if you, how much of the, the Bengals chargers that you ended up seeing, but, I mean, there was they were down two scores. They come out of halftime. They run the ball three straight times. Like, Zach Taylor doesn't know what the hell he's doing either. I think he will probably keep his job because of the improvement they made this year, but that team is, is really young and really talented, and I don't think he's going to be the one to get them to where they need to, to, to get. They have gotten some pressure recently on quarterbacks they beat the hell out of garoppolo last week they sacked him four times they hit him another nine times they're special teams they muffed a kickoff and a punt they fumbled three times lost two of those and they're also battling some injuries so i think there's some similarities between these two teams and you're shaking your head yeah i think there's similarities between these two teams and i also think that both of these teams are as mercurial as the other one is. They should win games, but they lose those games. There's games they probably shouldn't win, and they win them. And I don't want to say it's a carbon copy because there's some differences, but this might be the second or third time. This might be two weeks in a row that the Broncos have the coaching advantage, Ian. Which is incredible. Mm -hmm. But I, I totally agree with you. I, I, think, these, I think these are carbon, carbon copies of teams. I mean, obviously... They have the advantage of quarterback. I, I think everyone listening or watching or betting would take Joe Burrow over Teddy Bridgewater. He's just – he's an incredible talent. If he can get an offensive line and a coach that can put him in situations to have success, he's going to be a phenomenal quarterback in the National Football League. But these teams are carbon copies of each other. They're inconsistent. They drive you crazy with the way that they'll, they'll flash. And then the next game, they just – like, what the heck just happened? Who is this team? So I think for me, my key to the game, when you have teams so close, is the turnover battle. Whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win this football game. Because if you can steal possessions away from Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, and I think that's, I think Joe, Joe Mixon is the catalyst for that Bengals offense. If he gets going, it's going to be a long day for the Broncos defense. So steal a couple of possessions away. Give it back to Teddy Bridgewater and let Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams do their thing. Because just like Joe Mixon, if Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are going, it's going to be a long day for the Bengals. It was no surprise to see Melvin Gordon get the workload that he got. Same amount of snaps as Javante again. More touches than Javante. And Melvin just, he came out and he, he, you knew he was hurt because we were all saying, we want Javante, we want Javante. And I, I don't think it was anything against Gordon. I think it was more, this is the shiny new toy and look how explosive and amazing he is. And we haven't seen too many running backs that are just this physically gifted and run this violently. And he came out and he looked great. And really, when you think about it, Ian, you go back to the Javante game where he went bananas because he, he started the game. That was really what Melvin Gordon and Javante do together. He kind of had the one back doing what the two backs do. When it's all said and done, this guy still might have 300 touches this year. So it's actually a good thing when you look at it from a big picture 
going forward for Williams. And the other thing to take into account is even though you're getting 50% of the snaps, when this team is playing from ahead or in a neutral game script, they're running more than just about any other team out there. So he really is, Ian, he really is getting a nice workload still. And Melvin looked terrific. Absolutely. I, I think they have one of the best one-two punches in the National Football League when it comes to running backs. And I, I think that's what sets this offense up. The one thing that I'd like to see is the Bengals are probably going to start loading the box up. They're probably going to drop in a safety, have eight guys in the box, try to take away that running game. If the Broncos can still do it, I think they have the offensive line, despite the fact that Graham Glasgow is still out. I think Quinn, Quinn Meniers has played incredibly well, especially for a rookie, to be put into the situation. I think the interior of, of the offensive line has gotten better. Garrett Bowles was better against the Lions. So now if you're going to start having defenses load the box, you got to start taking those deep shots. And I think that's where Teddy Bridgewater will be able to do that with Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, especially Cortland Sutton. I mean, over the last four games, what does he have, like 18 catches combined? So you just paid him $60 million. You got to start utilizing him more. And I think that's where this can come into effect if Pat Shermer calls the right game. Run the ball. If you see that them, if you see them loading the box, that's where you can start taking advantage of deep shots down the field. What's interesting is the Bengals are actually fourth against the run, right? But you've got Cincinnati 29th against the pass. So this is an interesting matchup because the two strengths will be going head to head. Bengals run defense against the Broncos rushing offense. Now there are three injuries, and I wrote this down here. So. Uh, they had Trey Hendrickson, okay, their defensive end. He had a sack in nine straight games for last week. He was banged up. Keep your eye on that. A woozy who went to see you, uh, the cornerback, he was banged up. And then Logan Wilson was a big one. So they're battling some injuries too, Ian. Um, and, and I think that'll be interesting to look at, but ultimately I don't think I don't buy into the notion, and I know that you think that's what they should do. I don't buy into the notion that this team is going to pass unless they have to. Like, if this is a close game within a touchdown, I don't see Sutton and Patrick really getting the volume that they deserve. And ultimately, when this team has been winning, they're running the ball 33, 39 times. I would like to see Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick be more involved. I just don't see it. Not this week unless they fall way behind. And I think that may be how they have to loosen up that Bengals defense. Because, as you said, they're really good against the run. If the Broncos are still able to run, a, run it effectively, as they have the last couple of weeks, because they still were relatively effective running the ball against the Chiefs, they just couldn't get it into the end zone. And that, <clears throat> that was the biggest thing in that game against Kansas City. So if they're still able to run the ball effectively, despite the fact the Bengals are really good stopping it, then that's a testament to Mike Munchak and that offensive line. But I think they're going to have to test the limit of this defense to spread it out. And I think that's where it'll open it up a little bit because they aren't very good against the pass. And if you're able to get deep shots to Cortland Sutton and, and Tim Patrick, that's what's going to force the defense to not stack it up and load it up against the offensive line to take away Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. And then defensively for the Broncos, Draymond, he said he had the series of his life going back to middle school, which was absolutely a spectacular line there. The one thing that concerns me about the Broncos right now is they are kind of getting gashed in the run, but they're a bend, don't break, right? So you can run on them 
from the 20 to the or freaking from your own one yard line all the way to the 20 you get inside the red zone that doesn't happen and they got a hell of a matchup this week against joe mixon who had his touchdown streak coming to an end i think he scored in like was it six or nine straight games i'll look that up while you're talking but defensively this this will be an interesting test you've got chase you've got higgins you got boyd three really good wide receivers Uzama's a good tight end but they're gonna have to stop the run and we'll find out ultimately it comes down to red zone because the scoring the scoring defense is so good but teams have been moving the ball and we saw it last week with the dent with the detroit no names ian and that was a little concerning it, it is a little bit i i always hearken back to the orange crush because back in the 70s that defense you could move the ball on them but they just didn't allow you to score points Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, it, but as I said at the top, I think it all comes down to stopping Joe Mixon. If you take away the run game for the Bengals, that makes Joe Burrow one-dimensional. And then tied into that, interior pass rush, whether it's Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, whoever it is, you need to get interior pressure on Joe Burrow and consistently harass him because just like any quarterback, whether it's Tom Brady or Joe Burrow or Gardner Minshew, if you pressure them interior, you get interior pass uh, pass pressure. They're going to start seeing ghosts. They're going to start getting happy feet. They're going to start rushing their throws, and then that's where the secondary can start making plays and potentially get some interceptions. And I think the big thing to look for in this game is Bryce Callahan will be back. He's one of the best slot cornerbacks in football. That's going to push Kyle Fuller back out where he's, I think, more reliable. And then you have Bryce Callahan in the slot. He could have played against Detroit. They wanted to give him another week. So I think the fact that Bryce Callahan is back is going to be big containing those receivers that you just listed off. Great point. So having him, having having your full allotment of cornerbacks is going to be big for Vic Fangio. But it all comes down to stopping Joe Mixon and getting pass pressure on, on Joe Burrow. Yeah. And let's face it, we just we just don't know what to get with this team. I know it's only Wednesday. And right now, the Bengals are, it's been vacillating between one, one and a half, and two point dogs here. Honestly, I'm a little bit surprised. I thought the Bengals would be favored, but then you take a step back. And I think it's because we've been talking about the Broncos and look at the Broncos and their faults too much because the Bengals are really, they have a lot of issues too. They're extremely talented. But anytime you can give me a slight advantage at the coaching position, I mean, I'll take that. So talk to me here straight up. And let's say because right now it's plus two for the Bengals on Bet Rivers. Any thoughts on the side that you'll be on midweek? I think the other reason the Broncos are favored is I mentioned this is the biggest home game since the AFC championship game against Tom Brady and the Patriots. Broncos fans are going to know that. Mile High Stadium is going to be rocking on Sunday. It is going to be a playoff atmosphere because it is for all intents and purposes a playoff game. So I'm leaning the Broncos minus two. I I think that's a good number. I think anything below three, below seven, I think that's what you look at in terms of of, of the market. So the fact that it's still at two, I think that's a good number for the Broncos to jump on because at that point unless something crazy happens, most wins are at least three points. So if you get that one to two range, I would jump on it, especially the fact the Broncos are going to be at home. There's going to be a lot of emotion. It's going to be loud. It's going to be a playoff game. They're going to be fired up. And I I really do think they're going to carry over the emotion from the Demarius Thomas passing 
and the emotion that they showed last week to this week. And I, I would like them to keep the, the 88 symbol on the sideline that they had last week and, and keep that going. And you want it, as I said, you look for any advantage that you can get, any emotional advantage you can get. And I think that's where that comes from. I think they're going to use Demarius Thomas in that sense to bring them together and, and codify them as a team and a unit. So I, I, I'm leaning Broncos minus two at this point. Okay. Okay. Um, the last thing on the Broncos, then I guess, would be 10,000 more no shows. I know it was the Detroit game. Like, just go back through the time, right? That you've been a Broncos fan your whole life. When have this many people not shown up to these games this consistently? And I really hope there's not more than 5,000 no shows this week because this really is a monster game. And like, if you can't get excited about this one, I don't know what's going to excite you because these games finally matter. But what's going on here with the no-shows? I think they, they, they're they not sure yet. They they want to buy in, but they're, they remember the last five years. And in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this. You have to go back to the 60s to have this string of inconsistency and just bad Broncos football. The 60s and the early and, and the early 70s. That's the last time the Broncos were this bad. And I, I think I am hoping that Broncos country realizes how big of a game this is because this is a playoff game. I think they know that. I think they want to help their team who has struggled the last five years to get over the top. Because if they can go into Los Angeles, that's going to be a home game for the Broncos whether it was San Diego or LA, it's a home game for the Broncos. There's going to be so many Broncos fans in Los Angeles and Las Vegas that this is this is teed up right for them. Are they going to go up and be happy Gilmore and, and knock it onto the green? <laughs> or are they uh, are they going to take a shot and whiff? Well, I went I keep saying this is the last Broncos thing. I should just stop saying that because I went through on the show earlier and talked about the most damaging losses this season, right? Cleveland. God, if they beat Cleveland, we could just throw them out of there. They're not ahead of the, the Broncos anymore, facing Case Keenum. And now the Browns have COVID issues, so they're facing the Raiders. And I think, gosh, I, I, I guess we have to root for the Raiders in this one because at least the Broncos can go in there, beat them, and have the better record when it's all said and done. Um so that's one. The Baltimore loss. Why was that such a big loss? Yeah, they, they Baltimore's favored, but that was a conference game. And these conf, these tiebreakers in the conference, that was, that's what it might come down to. And the Broncos are just 3-5, and five, and all these other teams have better records. So they have to make that up now against these AFC teams. So this is another important one. And I think that Philly, that Philly game to me was the most disappointing. Coming yeah. off a great win. And then just to be out-schemed and out-coached by Philadelphia with these game plans, to me, though, that Browns loss is going to be the biggest one if they don't make the playoffs. So what about you? What do you think was the big one that kind of held them back? Because now we're talking about, what, four more games? we got a four-game stretch here, and the Broncos have to win three of these games, minimum. I would throw in the Raiders game, too, because that was Mike Shanahan's induction into the Ring of Fame. And the fact that they didn't even show up for a team that Mike Shanahan hates more than anything and still hates more than anything, and that's how they show up against the Raiders, 
I mean, I get it. A lot of people think that the Chiefs are the new top rival. I am old school. I am a born and bred Raider hater. I will hate the Raiders for the rest of my life. They will be the number one rival. The fact that that's how they showed up in that game at home with the best coach in franchise history being inducted into the ring of fame and they play like that, to me, that was the one that got away from it because that was a divisional game. It was a conference game. And then I'll throw in the Cleveland game. I mean, how do you lose to Case Keenum? And then you mentioned the Philadelphia game just because what they did the week before that against the Cowboys and then to look like that. And I think that's where all the hesitation from the fans comes from because they had those good showings and then they come out and completely lay an egg. So I don't think that's going to happen this weekend. I think they, they have the recipe to be successful, but to me, it's, it's the Raiders and the Browns. Those two games, if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be those two games that got away. You know what? And that was the third game I had. I kind of skipped over that. Cleveland, Baltimore, Raiders, Philly. So you're telling me that you still hate the Raiders more than the Seahawks when they were out in the AFC West like 20-something years ago and the loss in the <laughs> – I mean, come on here. How can you not hate the Seahawks to this day in St. Clair? But it really is it really is interesting, isn't it, that Kansas City's big rival. They all hate the Raiders. Here, all hate the Raiders. Uh, Chargers, all, it's always the Raiders. And I feel like it just goes back to the 70s and 80s, right? When they were good. The, and that just, that stays in your blood this many years later. Absolutely. And if you look at Pat Bowen's list, he had a list of three three things that he wanted to do. Be number one at everything, win Super Bowls, beat the Raiders. I don't, and, and this is a complete uh, change of subject now. Do you live bet very often? I feel like I've probably asked you this a million times, but I just keep forgetting. Do you live bet? Do you ever have a chance to live bet? And I think the answer to that question is no, correct? Correct. Okay. So I'm a big live better. And we talk about this streaming thing all the time. Still upset about the avalanche and the nuggets. I Still did. upset about yeah. a lot of things. We yeah, talked about that a trillion times. And then the abs are a pair, are, have found their mojo. Darcy Kemper is back from injury. They're just blowing teams out of ball arena, but nobody can mm -hmm. watch it. And, and now the Nuggets are starting to play some good basketball, too. They're getting yeah, back they into this. their offensive mojo. And, and they're hitting some shots. But, so I was streaming the other day. I have ESPN+. Plus. I have to stream on that. I tell you, I bought cable because I'm alive better. I make money that way. And I have to, I can't have more disadvantages than I'm already out against the books. Well, I'm betting uh, a game on ESPN+. Plus. I want to say it was the Wyoming basketball game because I love I love betting these Big Sky and Mountain West and all these other ones. And, oh, that was the Pokes again. Was it uh, University of Arizona? Uh, that wasn't a good one. It, it didn't work out too well. But that's neither here nor there. That The, <laughs> the game is getting streamed and, and it stops. I mean, it just buffers. And I'm saying to myself, at this point in time, how, if you are a better, how in the hell, especially a live better, how do you stream games at this point? First of all, it's it, people streamed it because it was cheaper than cable. It's now just about as expensive as cable. Now YouTube TV is is in a, a pissing match with one of the big networks. I, I don't remember. I got rid of YouTube TV. I liked it. But again, the 30 to 45 second delay during the games does not help me as a better. The price has gone up. There's buffering issues. So are you streaming? Do you have cable? Because I, I'm over it. 
I ESPN plus is the only thing I'm going to stream. And I held out as long as I could to not have ESPN plus, but you know, now just, just as a better, I have to watch even more than I've been watching in the past. How are you consuming your sports these days? I just watch it through cable because the experiences that I've had streaming, like we have ESPN plus. So we got that to watch Peyton's places. The problems that ESPN plus has buffering Peyton's places. I can't imagine what it's like to watch live sports on that. I I mean, it is so maddening with the fact that we are in 2021 and we're still having buffering issues. Like we're having dial up AOL internet. It's frustrating. It really is. And I keep hearing all the streaming, you got to do this, cut the cord. It's not good anymore. It was maybe four or five years ago, but now when you throw price into it, I mean, I get, and maybe it's that we're just old. Maybe the (laughs) younger generation, maybe Gen Z is looking at this going, what are you talking about? Get your canes out and start walking down the street, old guys. But no, I I think if you even talk to them, they have to realize this. Like cable should not be dead. And DirecTV is frustrating, especially Mm -hmm. here in Denver when it snows because everything just gets locked up there too. And you, Oh my God. First year I moved here, it snowed and I couldn't watch the Super Bowl because the thing froze and I had to go outside and like dig. I had to take a ladder, climb up, dig out the satellite, dig out the snow and the ice out of the satellite just so I could watch it again. Yeah. So listen, this is, this is not a, an advertisement for getting cable. This is more an advertisement for if you're alive better or you just are a consumer of sports on TV. I'm done with streaming. It was a nice experiment, but until they catch up and we're in real time, I'm done with it. No reason to do it anymore. Disney's fine. I'll I'll, I'll stream Disney. I'll do the movie channels. Fine. I can't do it for sports. No, I I don't think they have the capability to do it yet. And I think live betting is where sports books are going. I think that's the future of sports betting in this country. And I think one thing we're going to start seeing is sports books having games in the app. You're going to start with these partnerships that sports books have. You're going to start seeing NFL games being played on sports books where you can have the, the game opened while you live bet it. I think that is the future because I've said this to you before on live betting. Sports books are tied to the European model right now with live betting when it's soccer. It's just, it's not compatible to American sports, whether it's baseball. It's a little bit better with baseball. It, it, they're, it, they still have some. They, they, they have some hurdles to, to get over to get live betting to where it can be and where it should be. Okay, last thing for you. Let's talk some Nuggets, and then we'll get you out of here, and you'll go relax and have a nice rest of your day. We mentioned that the Nuggets are playing better. Well, they go 4-3 and three on this seven-game roadie. I uh, got a best bet here. Jokic over 47.5 PRA points, rebounds, and assists tonight. He's gone over that three straight games, including – that 26, 19, and 7 performance in October. He's averaging 30 and a half points, 16 rebounds, five and a half assists over his last three against the Timberwolves. You'd say, whoa, but Carl Anthony Towns is there. I'm loving it. Uh, let's talk about this. These nuggets, they're reinvigorated. Did they turn the corner while you were out there having your nice vacation? Did they turn the corner figuring out how to play offense again with Monte Morris? Just spectacular from time to time. Have they done it? Are we buying back into the Nuggets now, or is it going to be a roller coaster? It's going to be a roller coaster. I, yeah. I think 
you have to have the players like Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. You need those players. That's, I mean, there's a reason they're those players. Look at what happened to the Golden State Warriors without Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson. Now that they have Steph Curry back, look at what's happened. You can't take away those players and not expect to have a roller coaster. So I, I think they're they're still on the on the incline right now, but it's going to decline again. And I, I think I, I would be all over that bet with Nikola Jokic. The thing that is frustrating as a Nuggets fan is he's playing better than he was a season ago as the MVP. And people are still not giving the credit that he deserves. When people listen list the five best players in the NBA, Nikola Jokic is not included in that. For some reason, LeBron James is still included, and he hasn't even basically played this season. How is LeBron James included in that? You obviously have Giannis. You have Steph Curry. You have Kevin Durant. How is Nikola Jokic not included in that? It, it, I just I don't understand it. Nikola Jokic is having a better season than he did a season ago. Correct. And the numbers that he's putting up are historic. I get it that everyone is all over Steph Curry and the way that he's shooting three-pointers. He's an incredible talent. But don't overlook what Nikola Jokic is doing. And not just offensively, defensively. He has upped his game defensively this year, and I think that's the biggest step that Nikola Jokic has taken. A lot working against him. He's at uh, 10 to 1 to win the MVP. Then you've got in front of him Giannis at 5 to 1 plus 500. I don't see them giving it to him three out of four years, no matter what. Then Durant and then Steph. Uh, everybody loves Steph, though. Uh, Steph, if Jokic had a, a championship, I think we would be talking more about, or they would be talking more about Jokic, not just us. Correct. Ian, give yourself a plug here. Where do they find you on Twitter? Where do they find Play Colorado? All that stuff. You can find me at Ian St. Clair. You can find Play Colorado at Colorado underscore play. And playcolorado.com is your one-stop shop for analysis, news, opinion, features on anything gambling, sports betting to help make you a safer and smarter better. I'll come back. Some more thoughts on that Jokic prop that I'm going to bet tonight. A couple more thoughts on the Nuggets, and then we'll get out of here. This is the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Thanks again to Ian from Play Colorado for hopping on, as always, and Nate Kreckman. Uh, last thoughts here on the show. It's going to be on the Nuggets, Nuggets Timberwolves tonight. I'll have a best bet from this one. And as far as the side and the total, I'm not going to mess with it. Nuggets minus 190, eh. I mean, they oh, what is it, a dozen straight wins over the Timberwolves plus coming home here. Uh, minus 4.5, minus 112, don't like that. Total at 223, uh, 223.5, eh. Not so much, uh, not so much, but but if you scroll down in the player specials, you'll see points, rebounds, and assists. So if you've never bet this before, it's interesting. 
you add up the total of points, rebounds, and assists for a guy, and you bet it. You bet it over or you bet it under. And today's bet is going to be Nikola Jokic over 47 and a half minus 113. Let's get into that bet against the Timberwolves. First of all, Jokic has gone over 47 and a half PRA in three straight games against the Timberwolves, including a 26, 19, and 7 spot in October. Last three against the Timberwolves. 30 and a half points, 16 rebounds, five and a half assists. Now, it's not like this always translates the averages, but his last three games, he has just mauled the Timberwolves. Even with the big Carl Anthony Towns in there, he's crushed them. He's also got Monte Morris playing well. I think we need to start giving Monte a little bit of a shout out because let's face it, he's shooting 42.5% from three in Denver. That's pretty darn good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, so I like that over 47.5 PRA. Something that is kind of getting on my nerves lately that I have to bring up, though. This is aside from the, the win or the, or the bet, and we can get into the Timberwolves here in a couple minutes, too. But I wish the media and all the fans would stop mentioning that the Nuggets are winning or losing without Murray, without Porter, without this guy, without that guy. Murray hasn't played one second, and Porter's not coming back. So it's enough ready. This is the team that it is. Now, if you want to talk about the Dozier, sure. Dozier, that's a recent injury too. You know, he's not coming back anytime soon. So let's throw him in the mix. Let's get his name out of there for now. So let's just do that, okay? A seven-game road trip. It's not that they went four and three without Jamal Murray, who hasn't been here this year, without Michael Porter, who's been gone a while and has been hurt even when he was playing. And same thing with Dozier. They just went four and three with the players that they have. With the roster that they had, they went four and three. So yes, is this a personal thing where it's just it's it's just a pet peeve? Yeah, it, it is. Okay? Now, if they lost Bowens Highland for three games like they did, we can say Bowens Highland is one of those guys. But let's get back to reality here. Four and three, seven game road trip, they were playing awful. Okay, awful. And now this seven game road trip is done shooting almost 40% on 37 attempts per game. Spectacular. Barton's hitting 43% from three. Wow. Morris, I just told you, 40% from three. These guys are starting to hit the threes. And I'll give a shout out to Faku. Boy, was it fun watching him play the other night with those passes against Washington. He is, he's an exciting player. He might not be the most efficient, but he is pretty exciting. Um, but Jokic is averaging, he's averaging 26 and a half points, 13 rebounds, nine assists per game on that road trip. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's been that amazing. He just continues to be the best player in the NBA. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but I am saying that he is the best player in the NBA. Nikola Jokic, best player in the NBA. And the numbers say that he's the most valuable too. Because look at this team when he's on and off the floor. They outscored their their opponents by almost 200 points when Jokic was out there. Okay, and when he when he isn't out there, he's been out. They've been outscored by 188 points, and he's out there most of the time. I mean, they just get demolished without Jokic. So tonight's game, they've won a dozen straight against the Timberwolves. Okay, last time they beat. The Timberwolves beat the Nuggets with 17-18. When, that was basically the play-in game back in 2017-2018. And uh, the other thing, though, for the Timberwolves tonight, 
0-5 without D'Angelo Russell. They're getting Russell back. They're 12-10 with him, which is what scared me off the side just a little bit. But, hey, thank you very much for checking out the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Totally awesome uh, that you could check this out. Best bet on this show, over 47.5 points, rebounds, and assists for one Nikola Jokic. As always, thanks to my guest, Ian St. Clair from PlayColorado.com. Nate Kreckman from Altitude 92.5. Follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. And thanks again for checking out, listening, and subscribing to the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.